0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick
1: and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement System Studio. Welcoming our new sponsor. Thanks for the support. A truly family-owned business. They specialize in foundation repairs. Everything basement-y. Serving Southern Calgary.
2: And now they're doing everything morning showy.
0: Yeah. Southern Calgary. E. Southern Alberta. All of Calgary. E. Since
2: 1992.
0: Yeah. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, our pal Adnan Verk, MLB NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast. Uh, talk about the baseball offseason, what the Blue Jays are going to do. Alec Manoa up for the Cy Young. That's exciting for Blue Jays fans. But right now, his new show debuts next week. Going deep. With Donovan Bennett on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Donovan Bennett. DJ, how are you, pal?
3: I'm great, fellas. Love to be joining you.
0: Uh, I, we, we want to apologize ahead of time that our show was the lead into your show here in Calgary. Just want to apologize sure. ahead of time.
3: Uh, Bunkus is the lead in in toronto so okay. Well, okay. Uh, it 's all relative and i yeah. i will I will have uh, a much better time holding uh, your audience no i 'm excited uh, to to have a national platform and get to talk about you know, sports and issues and topics that aren 't uh, just, you know, relative to where I locally happen to be in Toronto, but impact, you know, Canadians, really, you know, sports fans all over the world. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear some of the feedback from our listeners as well.
0: Uh, when were you approached? When did all this kind of go down? And uh, did it take you any time to say, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, I'm in 100%? It's
3: a good question. I feel like it's something that we, you know, loosely talked about for a while. I mean, I have hundreds literally of podcasts on my phone I'm a big fan of the medium and as you know I love to jump on and talk you know sports on the radio whenever I can and have a free time and it's just a matter of you know when does it make sense in terms of life and family and, and workflow and you know this Summer-ish, like all of the, uh, you know, stars aligned and, um, you know, made sense and you know, uh, credit to Dan Toman who who had like an ambitious idea and approach that was much you know grander than you know where mine uh, head was at. I just thought you know can I help and support and and jump in and pull the rope. And in the same direction as everyone who's doing such great audio, audio content across the sports radio network. And, um, and yeah, you know, so we had some conversations and, you know, everything made sense to to do this in, in what this next iteration of our lineup looks like. So, yeah, I mean, I've never, um, and I, I, I'm sure you can appreciate this to a certain extent. I've I've always been a substitute teacher a little bit, bounce around different shows, different (laughs) different (laughs) platforms, right? Never had my own homeroom class. Uh, So luckily I have Sho Ali doing it with me. who is a real radio veteran and super talented. And so uh, he can be the guardrails to make sure that I'm on message and on task and on time. Uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful that I've been given the opportunity.
2: No troublemakers switching their names on you anymore, just uh <laughs> right into it uh, wh- what's the format of the show going to look like
3: yeah, good question I mean there are so many great shows, both you know here in Canada but also you know on your phone on your favorite podcast player that I wanted to do something a bit different because the market is you know somewhat saturated with general shows that tell you about what happened the night before? Uh, what you might expect to happen uh, the night coming, and in, in, in the show that you guys have quickly, you know, built is, you know, at the top of that list. And so, you know, where I kind of fit in, like the batting orders, providing a little bit something different, maybe a bit of a switch hitter, where. We're not going to be beholden to you know what is trending right now necessarily. We're probably going to talk about the topics that have been trending for a couple of days. Take a step back with a little bit of perspective, dive deep into it, bring in some analysts, bring in some experts, um, and take, look at it with a micro and macro approach. And so, you know, my mind always goes to less about the X's and O's and more about how to settle the sports conversations that we're routinely having intersect and relate with the nexus of conversations like race, ethnicity, gender, politics, finance, tech, science. And so uh, those are the areas that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be playing in in terms of the sports content. So you can expect, um, you know, me setting the tone for the show in terms of why I care about said topic and why I think, you should care. A big guest, whether that is, uh, you know, a player, an athlete or a journalist or expert, uh, break And then I don't think this show will be overly serious. I'm a firm believer that if you give people their vegetables, the least you can do is give them dessert. So we'll have uh, a lighter end to the show with, you know, a couple friends of mine that we, we can chop it up. And hopefully, you know, at the end of an episode, we've made you, you know, laugh and helped you learn something as well.
0: Uh, I, I know there are so many options now, Donovan out there in podcast, but again, uh, sports radio on, on, on the radio is still a staple for a lot of people, especially in a city like Calgary. What kind of advantage is that that not only it's a podcast, but you, you do kind of you know rope in some listeners who may be new to the show that'll be driving around in their cars.
3: Yeah, I mean, one, it's a great advertisement, right, for the show and the brand. Two is I, I do think it's different, and it's a great point by you, the energy that you have of doing something live, getting interaction and feedback in real time from the audience, and quite frankly, reacting something in real time to something that might break. And the nature of the show, the where. it's, It is slotted. You know, things will be breaking. Press conferences will be happening. So, you know, we will react to things when it makes sense. Uh, So I think certainly that aspect of it is there. We're, We're trying to thread the needle on being responsive to the fact that people are listening in real time, but also giving listeners something that if you didn't catch it that day, if you want to listen to it in a couple of days, it's relatively evergreen. And some of the conversations that we're having still make sense to you.
2: Now, uh, what is kind of keeping your eye in the the general sports world right now? Because I know you like to kind of take in a little bit of everything. You keeping an eye on the Raptors. Is the CFL uh, in your sights right now with the uh, divisional finals coming up? What are you keeping an eye on right now?
3: Oh man, there's so much. Uh, where do we start? I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll give you guys a little buffet. Two things I've been thinking about. Things I think I think as I walk around, and you guys tell me what direction you want to go. One, the overarching thing is like. So many times, and we're almost in 2023, I'm still finding myself saying, Sports Organization X, General Manager Y, help me help you. Like, how do you not understand how what you're doing is going to read in the room and read in the world? Boston Bruins, for example, like, mm-hmm. you know what? You want a distressed asset. I get it. You see value that, you know, talking about a player in Miller who, you know, was Defensive Player of the Year, Player of the Year in, in you know, the conference leading in. But, Really, you're going to do this without, I don't know, one, talking to the victim, two, uh, making him show his work on what he's done to rehab the person he was, and three, you're really going to do this when you're coming to Toronto? Like, where most of the, you know, the sharks in terms of hockey media reside, like, like, someone did not, well, someone, plural, did not think this through fully, and that's why it's not surprising to me but shocking that still we saw the nhl's you know diversity and inclusion report come out uh, a couple weeks ago led by kim davis but only a third of the teams have hired full-time uh, someone working in the general field of inclusion and diversity there's four to five hundred companies that have entire departments to deal with those things just so you don't find yourselves in situations like this forget about a human resource strategy it's our strategy at this point so so that's one of the things that I I just I don't understand how we're still making similar mistakes and I I think you could throw the Brooklyn Nets in that same conversation Mm. where ostensibly there are some smart people who've risen to these roles but the entire rollout of the Kyrie explanation was bad and then you had to oversteer the opposite direction and then oh but you know what at the same time we're going to leak that like Ime Yadoka, who's been on the sidelines for less than two months. He might be the next head coach. And maybe they're playing 3D chess and they just want to get you off the scent of one scandal by having you focus on another. But just imagine the line of questioning in that opening press conference where people are fighting about which scandal they want to tackle first. Uh, Mm. It's almost like it's an SNL skit at this point with, what some professional sports organizations don't really realize, but yet here we are. And then the other big thing I'm thinking about is like, is there a good way to say goodbye to a legend? We're seeing a couple legends in the NFL, not necessarily uh, playing good football at the quarterback position, but still owed big money moving forward in the NBA. It's one thing, Kobe Bryant, you're going to sell us a lot of jerseys. We're going to move you off of guarding the best, player on the other team and you know we can live with the fact that your contract is an arbitrage in football it's different whether it's the NFL with former MVP and Super Bowl winning quarterbacks not playing a high level or in your very city where I don't know how what was the greatest marriage of all time between Dave Dickinson and Boleva Mitchell now is like I guess irreconcilable differences or consciously uncoupling moving forward I don't know if you owe a legend a graceful exit, or if it's better just to pull a Be- Belichick and move off of the player one or two years early so you're not in this awkward situation.
0: Donovan Bennett, host of Going Deep, which will debut next week right after our show, right here on Sportsnet 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, I-, I totally agree with you, uh, Donovan, on just the PR nightmare. That was the Boston Bruins and the Brooklyn Nets lately here. But when you were talking about that, it got me thinking how the NFL is so much the king in all the sports that it's so far ahead of the other professional sports leagues that a team can literally give a guy who's a sexual predator over $200 million. And there are people out there just waiting to see his debut in week 13 in Deshaun Watson. Like, I just... What what the Cleveland Browns did in trading for a guy who has no business being in the league anymore, just because winning trumps everything in the NFL, they just don't care. What 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 a, what a PR nightmare that's going to be, because ultimately they just care about wins and competing for a Super Bowl.
3: I might be cynical, but I'm to the point where it's not only that I don't think they care, I almost feel like they revel in it. Like It's like, how much can we push the envelope? How much can we treat you badly? And you're still going to love us. You're still going to come back. George, (laughs) not only is is he, you know, Deshaun, coming back in week 11, you know what? schedule works out perfectly yeah. let's schedule him for his return yeah, against the houston texans but, his former team who put him on layaway for a year yeah. he was so toxic but also settled cases with multiple women because they felt that they were complicit because they gave him like ndas and waivers to sign because he was such a serial offender uh, to masseuses that he got via instagram dm you couldn't make this stuff up but yet guess what I guarantee you the rating number is going to be high when Watson comes back on the field. And at the end of the day, like, I wonder if they're, you know, in their ivory towers laughing at all this.
0: Yeah, and and if you want to do a PR course, uh, if they're they're doing that in schools, um, they should just show the Cleveland Browns how they dealt with the Deshaun Watson introductory news conference. It's like they were surprised by all the uh, arrows they were taking from reporters during that. It's like, what? What do you mean, with, you know, Sean Watson's a good guy? Maybe not. And they even literally put it in his contract that he has to have a team-appointed masseuse. Like, are you kidding me?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and it's a total it, it,
0: coincidence. It, it, They're playing the Texans his first weekend. Uh, because the NFL loves to hand out 11-game suspensions. Not 12, <laughs> yeah. DJ, not 10. They're, they love handing out 11-game suspensions.
3: This odd number
0: is going to be the deterrent
3: for you not to uh, be a serial sexual harasser in the future.
0: Um, We do 24 seconds of Raptors here uh, when they do a (laughs) recap, but I did want to ask you a Raptors question, uh, DJ. Before he got hurt, uh, Pascal Siakam um, MVP vibes with how incredible he's been to start the season. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement.
3: I don't think that's hyperbole. He was playing at a first-team All NBA level, and I think the Raptors are going to be okay. Tough one in the back-to-back against Chicago last night, but we saw them weather the storm with their All-Star Kevin Vliet, out. Pascal Siakam was not just going to be an All-Star; he was going to be All NBA. So I'm more disappointed in the fact that he is out. Not two weeks will be reevaluated in two weeks, could be longer. That slip on the wet spot looked pretty bad. He was having such a great year, so I'm, I'm more sad for him uh, that that conversation is going to halt right now.
2: So who do you look to to kind of carry the mail on the way through here? Because, uh, you know, he's going to be out for a little bit, and like we talked about, this guy's been dynamite for the team so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the,
1: the beauty
3: and the struggle of this Raptors team is you, there isn't one guy, right? Like, we look at them and say, man, you need that closer, that Steph Curry, that Kawhi Leonard, uh, who's going to take over in huge minutes and be the focal point to the leading championship. Well, they don't have that, which is, I guess, one of the flaws. But the beauty is when that person isn't out, Fred Van Bleet, Pascal Siakam, they can really stay at an even keel. So I think we're going to see higher usage rates for Scotty Barnes. We're going to see some more Christian colloquial minutes, which looked really good to start. And I, I honestly think. Like DJ Khaled is at the OVO Athletic Center with Masai and Bobby just saying, another one, another one. (laughs) Because every year in the draft, they get a player that is 6'9"-ish with a seven one seven two wingspan-ish, who can put the ball on the floor, shoot threes, and uh, protect the rim and and switch and guard on defense. And they, they yet have found another literal velociraptor to be coupled with, like, Fred VanVleet, who is the size of you and me. Um, and so I, I think the answer is we're going to see more of Scotty. We're going to see higher usage rate for OG Ananobi, something that he's shown that he can do. And, and he's playing at an all-defense level. And we're going to see some extended minutes for guys like Chris Boucher and, and Coloco, which is also a good thing in their long-term development.
2: So, um, would Ryan Reynolds buying the Ottawa Senators be something that would come up on your program? Because I believe in the description it says entertainment as well here.
3: For sure. I mean, listen, I, I found uh, Rexham FC not to be as entertain, entertaining as Sunderland Till I Die. So, if you're deciding on which one you want to binge over the holidays, uh, I would go Sunderland Till I Die first. Although, do watch Rexham FC because it's on FX, which is a Rogers property uh, I love company it. man. But, no, I I think certainly the interest in uh, ownership for someone like Ryan Reynolds, but also, like, the celebrity factor in terms of how he increases the value uh, of a franchise and changes the brand identity and brand affinity. I I couldn't tell you where Wrexham was 18 months ago. (laughs) Uh, But now that TikTok jersey looks pretty fire, I'm not going to lie. And so I do think that, you know, his... Um, you know, really rehab of their brand, not just in the market but across the country, uh, is a story worth telling, and I think is something that's intriguing. The NHL is a bit different than some other pro sports, specifically the NFL. Dan Snyder has been unequivocally the worst owner in professional sports. He had a team in the richest market. In the United States, in the Washington, you know, DMV area, uh, his season ticket numbers have gone down. They're now worst in the league in terms of season tickets. He's literally stealing money from the other owners, and, and the FBI and Senate is after him. But yet, if he is forced to sell, he's only going to make six billion ish, and he bought it for eight hundred million. So, so you can fail up as an NFL owner, and the Clippers were sold for two billion in cash, and they were a dumpster fire. The NHL is is a bit different based off of the economics and based off of the difference in making money on the two sides of the border. So getting into exactly what is Ryan Reynolds buying and exactly what the value of him increasing that franchise, just because he's kind of likable and people Mm -hmm. really like Deadpool, uh, is something we certainly would talk about.
0: Uh, Real quick before I let you go, DJ, um, can you explain to me, speaking of owners uh, who just are off their uh, rocker, uh, Jim Ursay decides to hire Jeff Saturday, um, a guy who has zero coaching experience at college or the NFL level. Oh, no, no problem. Uh, we'll figure out who's going to call plays because it's the NFL. It's that easy. Just get on the sideline, be a head coach. No problem. Tell us what's wrong. I don't know if you caught any of the bizarre uh, news conference yesterday from Jim Ursay. Let's give you a little taste before he answered the Jeff Saturday question. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team. Like I... <laughs> Like it's just so bizarre. Yesterday, you, your take on the Jeff Saturday hiring?
3: They had stats about how consistent they've been, and they've been in the top, you know, percentile of wins. <laughs> they've had one championship, uh, and it was with a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, they haven't been able to find uh, a quarterback since uh, Andrew Luck left, other than you know, being terrible and getting the first overall pick and drafting the outstanding quarterback, Jim Say hasn't really built anything. Uh, he's had a treadmill of quarterbacks come through only to leave. And uh, this is the only real business where you could take someone off the street who has no prerequisite and say, here's the job. You're, you're leading uh, a billion-dollar uh, corporation. So evidently, Jeff Saturday now becomes – Jeff Sunday, even though he, <laughs> he has no uh, coaching experience and, and the NFL can say and do all they want about minority hiring and unique candidates. But as long as Jim Mercer is going to say, forget about the qualified people you know on the street that can do this job. I don't even care about the qualified people in my own building. I'm going to hire someone yeah. <laughs> out of Bristol, Connecticut to be a head coach. Then the Rooney Rule is, is a joke. And quite frankly, Jim franchise right now is a joke because yeah. I don't know if any Colts fan thinks they're better off today with Jeff Saturday than they were with Frank Reich, who, you know, was a great player and was an assistant to a team that won a championship.
0: Jeff Saturday at quarterback, Sam Ellinger at uh, quarterback, Jeff Saturday at head coach. No problem. It's, it's yeah, fine. Things will work out yeah, sure. uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Donovan Bennett, host of Going Deep, which debuts next Monday morning at 9 o'clock right here on Sportsnet. Uh, 960. DJ, great stuff. Looking forward to it. As Thanks for having me. There he goes. Uh, there's Donovan Bennett on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest line. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 14 time consumer choice award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248- 3344 or dine in an at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Uh, Alright, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Um... There's a lot of text coming in right now on what, on what we, we talked about the sausage. Can you can you play it? I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage, but I do know how to build a football team. <laughs> uh, the, 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 please get keep these coming in nine sixteen. They're great. Uh, I don't know what winter tires are. I don't even know how to drive, but I do know how to do a buck twenty on Deerfoot. <laughs>
2: I don't know how people care for soccer. I don't know how people play soccer. But I sure do know how to listen to a mediocre radio show. Yeah, you're welcome, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy.
0: Shout out. Uh, You're welcome, uh, Jeremy. Um, I don't know how to make my wife. I don't know how those work, but I do know how to watch the Flames lose (laughs) five straight. Sorry, Wayne.
2: Uh, Sorry to your wife, Wayne. Yeah, it's unfortunate. This one is from Caleb. Uh, I don't know how to make my wife stay. I don't know what I need to do to do that. But I do know how to crush some drinks on a Friday night. Uh, I don't know
0: what came first, the chicken or the egg, but I do know how to listen to a couple of donkeys in the morning. I guess he's referring to us. Yeah, I would assume so. Where are the donkeys? It could be a different morning show. Maybe.
2: Uh, But Then texting in. (laughs) would.
0: Yeah. Uh, Keep them rolling in. 960-960, name and location. Uh, Jim Ursay, just a super bizarre press conference yesterday. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. Me neither. But I do know how to build a football team. Yeah. (laughs) What is just a bizarre thing to say? Uh, keep them rolling in. 960, 960, name and location. Straight ahead, Adnan Virk. So they're not trading Shoei Otani? Come on, man. Like At least <laughs> give me that. And the Yankees are purging their roster. Uh, everyone's a free agent on well, the New York uh, Yankees.
2: You got to get rid of everybody to sign Aaron Judge. Uh, well, we'll see where is gonna Aaron Judge
0: is going to go. And Alec Manoa up for the Cy Young. Uh, lots of stuff to talk Babe, to Adnan Virk about. Uh, Straight ahead, host of the NHL MLB Network Cinephile Podcast. It is the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.
1: You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan.
0: Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, joining you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studio. The top of the hour. Um, We'll talk about our poll question, which is up right now at George Russick and Matt Rose, YYC, at Sportsnet 960. Outside of blown leads, of course, what concerns you the most during the Flames five game slide? Injuries on the blue line, penalty kill, power play, top six wingers, 173 votes so far. Top six wingers leading the way with 52%. And we've had a lot of fun with this, just a very bizarre. Jim Ursay press conference yesterday. Uh, keep these rolling into 960, 960, where Jim Ursay said this yesterday. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage, but I do know how to build a football team. Yeah, like it's... <laughs> I don't know how computers work. I, can't I don't enough. know how computers are built. I can't get built. enough of it. But I know how to host a mediocre radio show.
2: Yes, sir. We sh- I don't know how heart surgery works. Yep. I've never even seen a heart, but okay. I can cover the Calgary Stampeders. Okay. Keep them rolling in.
0: 960-960, name and location. Joining us on the line right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, uh, MLB NHL Network Cinephile Podcast. We say good morning to our pal, Adnan Verk. Adnan, how are you?
1: George, Matty, great to speak to you guys. That reminds me of that comment people would say... You know, once you see how the sausages are made, yeah. you no yeah. longer work, work in the sausage factory. And I go, no, I, I'll still work in the sausage factory. Like, whatever it <laughs> takes, man. It's like, fine. Yeah. I, and, <laughs> I, it was, and it was specifically said to be at McDonald's because when I worked there, I was 15 years old. And I'm like, hey, man, once you see how the sausage is made, you will not want to eat that sausage. I'm like, no, no I, I still eat Big Macs to this day. I'm 44 years old. I McDonald's on Sunday. I saw how the burgers were made. Still love it. I, I don't think that expression is accurate. It is completely inaccurate. Even if you see the sausage is made, you will eat that sausage.
0: Uh add in, um back in the day, years ago, uh when my dad was still with us, he uh he sent me to a local slaughterhouse in Niagara Falls oh. because um uh he wanted a, a pig roast. So he wanted a fresh <laughs> a fresh pig. So I went there, uh, went to, he goes, go pick it up. So I went with my buddy, picked it up and the people working at the slaughterhouse, Adnan, they just had this blank stare on their face, just (laughs) covered in blood for murdering animals all day. And, and I picked up, Adnan. I picked up, I picked up the pig. It was so fresh. It was warm, Adnan. (laughs) And yet I still ate some of the pig.
2: (laughs) That's so dark.
0: (laughs) I still had some of it though. (laughs) But at the end, it was warm when I threw uh. it in the trunk of the car. <laughs> like, that's how fresh it was. Uh. Anyway, on that, that dark I mean, turn.
1: Listen, it can go one of two ways, George. Either yep. it goes like, oh, my God, I will never touch a pig again. Oh, my God, that was delicious. I want more. Yeah, like it was. <laughs> but
0: again, the people walking around with this blank look on their face, like just the white, the uh. white aprons just covered in blood. Uh, it was quite the experience. All right, I'm going to stop being dark. Um, uh, how torn were you, of course, because I know you wanted to see the Phillies win the World Series, but, and nobody wanted the Astros to, to actually win the World Series, but seeing Dusty Baker get his ring was, was kind of nice, right?
1: Yeah, no matter what, even in a situation where I'm not rooting for that outcome, I look for the one positive. was that one positive? You're right. It was Dusty Baker. And I... I couldn't wait for the image of like you know how is he going to celebrate? Normally you have that shot of the manager watching the final play, and he's flanked by a bench coach and a hitting coach and then they embrace and hug and that's it. But how cool was that they have the final out is recorded, they fly out to right, and Dusty Baker first has to fill out his scorecard he's going to write down f 9 and then <laughs> I'll join in the celebration. It's just <laughs> subtle gesture complete. Shows it. How- yeah, Dustin got to make sure no matter what I I want to record that last time, and then I'll go join the party. He's got the the gloves like a cat burglar, the ever-present <laughs> toothpick, and, and he always has the the pulse of his team. So, I think he was ready to snatch away the World Series no matter what and and I am thrilled for him. The fact that he had, you know, 2093 wins without winning a World Series nor most ever by a manager. I mean, Gene Mock is on that list. Buck Showalter is on that list. Bucks has almost 1,500 wins without winning a World Series title. But you really feel the heartbreak for Dusty going back to the Giants. Remember that episode where his kid ran on the field, and one of the players to grab his kid before he got trucked Mm -hmm. in 2002. No Disappointment with the Reds. Had his opportunities with the Cubs. To finally get that World Series ring that was awesome. And it was not about some controversy because people were still criticizing Dusty, saying he's a mediocre in-game manager, shouldn't have left Verlander in for the duration of game one, whatever it was, when he started to get lit up in the fifth inning. Should have taken McCullers out after he gave up two home runs rather than let him suffer. He gave up five home runs. But I like the way he worked his bullpen. And to me, that's always an example of how good a manager is. If you look at the best managers, uh, you know, Bruce Bochies or Buck Showalters, people always credit their bullpen, Terry Francona. And I thought Dusty knew what to do, like the no-hitter, Javier, 97 pitches, that's it. We're going to the three guys, the 3 headed monster, Abreu, Montero, and Presley. A .83 ERA in the World Series. That's the lowest ever by a bullpen. By the way, the Jays are on that list. They're fourth. The 92 Blue Jays team had a one-and-a-half ERA in their bullpen. But, of course, bullpens aren't used nearly as much as they are now. So, incredible effort. I never would have thought we'd sit here and go, wow, the Astros' bullpen, record-setting. That's how good they were. And I'm thrilled for Dusty.
2: Now, major sports, a lot of copycat type of situations, copycat leagues, of course. So is that going to be maybe the biggest takeaway that other front offices have when they watch the Astros kind of go for their parade in the whole nine yards? Is it, hey, if, if we're going to have success like this team did, we really got to improve the bullpen? Or is there maybe a different aspect of this Astros roster that you look at and say we might see more teams try and replicate that in, in their own sense?
1: I think more than anything, Matthew, they're going to look at their overall depth. That's what stuck to me when it came to Houston. When I looked at Philadelphia, I said their top four hitters are really good. Then after that, there's a really big drop off. And what happened? Those top four hitters did not step up, and therefore they went home. I mean, they were up 2 1 in that World Series, and you go, wow, Philadelphia pull off a shocking upset. They scored three runs in the final three games. You know, Bryce Harper was silenced, not as bad as the other guys, but he went one for eight the last two games. So the shocking one is, is the threesome of Real Muto Hoskins and Castellanos in games four five and six. They went one for 36. I mean, that wow. is atrocious and, and a real reason why this team failed to step up when need be. But the problem for Philly was just the depth of that Houston pitching staff with Philly. Again, it, it felt like a two headed monster of Nola and Wheeler. And then surprisingly the rest of the pitchers actually pitched better than them with Houston. Okay, Verlander after Game One still had not won a World Series start. Shocking, seven starts. But Framber Valdez is like Sandy Koufax; he easily could have won the World Series MVP. He was tremendous in Games Two and Six, only gave up one run in twelve and a third innings. By the way, last year in the World Series, Framber Valdez had a 19.29 ERA. He was awful a year ago, and this year, as I said, he was incredible. Beyond that, though, McCullers, good number three starter, he gets bombed. Okay, that happens. Christian Javier is your game four star, and he's part of a combined no-hitter. I mean, I was talking to Anthony Castro, Vince, great writer for MLB.com, and I said, give me your way-too-early prediction for next year. He said, way-too-early? Christian Javier wins the Cy Young. He's the guy who started game for the World Series, and he thinks he might win a Cy Young next year. I said, "That's insane. Um, They have starters in Jose Urquidy. And Luis Garcia, those guys weren't even, they didn't even make the starting staff. They're good starting pitchers, and they were relegated to the bullpen. So I think if there's a model that any other team is looking at with Houston, it's depth and also being able to retool on the fly. And the major one, of course, is Jeremy Pena. You lose Correa, you're not willing to pay off for him, you insert a rookie who wins the LCS and the World Series MVP. That is how you don't miss a beat for the Houston Astros.
0: Is there any reason to believe they're not the team to beat in the American League heading into next year, regardless of what happens this off season?
1: No, I mean, listen, the Yankees, their major thing is they're just going to re-sign Aaron Judge. That is obviously their focus, but even with Judge, we just saw how the Astros swept them. So they need major improvements all over the place if they are to beat Houston. Now, New York overachieved, I think, by getting 99 wins and winning that division. Nobody saw that coming, but again, you just got swept, and your whole goal is let me just retain the guy we need beyond let's actually get better. I can't see any other team really challenging them. You know, in the East, okay, the Rays might be a little bit better, but who exactly are they adding? The Red Sox have issues with regards to their pitching staff. Still hopefully, Chris Dale comes back. Toronto last year missed the playoffs. This year made the playoffs. Can they take that next step forward? I think they need a couple of starters at least. In the American League Central, you know, the White Sox should be better, but they were an absolute disappointment. Cleveland, you feel like, punched above their weight. The team that I think maybe could be interesting is Seattle, because the Mariners took mm. a big step this year by finally making the playoffs, ending the longest drought in the you know, four American major sports. And I think Seattle, maybe if you go, you know what, a little bit of tinkering here and there, Julio Rodriguez continues to develop. Maybe they challenge them in the West, because I can't see any other team right now, George, being a favorite in the American League other than Houston.
2: Hmm. So what would the Blue Jays have to do this offseason to maybe get a little bit closer to that conversation? Is it just adding some starting pitching? I know a lot of conversation towards the end of the season was, hey, if you get some real left-handed bats in, give a little bit more of a different look to this lineup, that could also be a big benefit to the roster.
1: Yeah, for sure, Matty. They're going to need a little bit of everything, I think, with the regards to their offense and their pitching staff. Game one, they got silenced by Castillo. That happens. The guy was outstanding and their offense went to sleep. In game two, Gosman pitched well, premature hook, I think many would agree, and their bullpen let them down. So let's focus on middle relief. That would be nice because Mesa was a letdown. Aside from Romano, really wasn't a lot of guys you could trust there. So let's focus on maybe a couple of bullpen arms. Starting-wise, you feel great about the top two guys, Manoa and Gosman. By the way, I did the, the Baseball Writers Association of America finalist show yesterday at MLB Network, and I get to interview Alec Manoa. He was great. And I'm thrilled he actually is in the top three for the Cy Young, which is to me an enormous accomplishment. This is truly like the Oscars. It's an honor to be nominated. Verliner's going to win, but the fact that Dylan Cease is going to be number two, Manoa's three, he edges out Valdez, just won a World Series. So that's great news for, for Manoa and his development. Gosman's a great number two. Stripling was a pleasant surprise. Not sure how much you can count on him, but Rios has to get back on track. Guy's been a major disappointment ever since the Blue Jays signed him and gave him all that money and acquired him in that trade. Ryu, done. First two years of the deal was good. Last years were not good. So to me that feels like one or two starters, one or two relievers. And you're right, Matty, about their, their offense. At times they just they did not have that left handed punch. And you look at Rowdy Telez, how great he's been with the permission, man, maybe the Jays should have kept him. Or maybe sometimes his guys figure it out when they when they trade places. But they're, they're definitely way too right-handed heavy. They could use a couple left-handed bats to, to offset that issue.
0: Do you, do you see a shake-up coming potentially, Adnan? Do you see a big trade for the Blue Jays to kind of shake up the score?
1: I really don't, George. I, I think if, if they had missed the playoffs, then perhaps something major would happen. But I feel like Shapiro and Atkins' M.O. is we've built this young nucleus. Let's just keep adding to it. Um, you know, if, if need be with trades... You know, they're willing to deal prospects as they did with Barrios, a couple of good young prospects, and Martin Woods Richardson. Okay, fine, we'll give up those guys to get somebody who we feel is an impact. But shake up to me means you know, trade somebody major of that nucleus. You've got Vlad Jr., or Bo Bichette, Joshua Hernandez, etc. And I just don't see that happening. I think they're going to try to decide some guys. The starting pitching market isn't very strong after Verlander and DeGrom. So whoever does get paid is going to get paid a lot of money. You know, after that. Verlander, I think, stays with Houston. Two years, $80 million. I think DeGrom might go to the Rangers. He's going to get $40 million a year.
0: The Rangers? After that, Chris
1: Bassett opted out with the Met. Yeah, I think it's the Texas Rangers. They're looking to spend. They know their pitching is atrocious. A year ago, they spent a half a billion dollars on Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, and now they know they're going to get some pitching. I don't think DeGrom wants to pitch in New York. I think he's had issues in the past with injuries and durability. I think Cohen will back up the truck for him, but I don't even know if he's worth it. He's going to get $40 million a year. He might only make 20 starts. He missed the entire year, and he's a guy that never goes deep into games. Unlike Verlander, who will give you seven innings or six plus, or Max Scherzer, DeGrom goes five plus. That's it, I'm done. Now, he might strike out 12 guys in five and two thirds innings, but he really goes deep in games. So I've heard some rumors around Texas. I wouldn't be surprised if DeGrom takes their money because they will be willing to overpay. Back to my point Bassett opts out with the Mets. I think he'll get paid pretty well. Rodon, I think, is tremendous. Uh, he's an opt out with the Giants. After that, though, not a lot of major names. So the Jays don't have to spend a lot of money, but there's really only about, like, honestly, eight to ten starting pitchers that are really worthy. So maybe there's a trade in the books. But in answer to answer your question, not a major shakeup, no.
0: What a buzzkill that Shoei Otani is not going to get a trade this winter, right? Do you believe that?
1: It, it's interesting. I work with Matt Faskers and does a fantastic job at MLB Network, and Matty does a bunch of Angels games. So I have consistently felt like they should be trading him. He's going to get $30 million next year, highest ever for an arbitration eligible player. And the team is nowhere close to winning. They have a lot of issues. It's not like it's going to be a Herschel Walker type trade. you're only getting one year of Otani, but you could get a starting pitcher. You can get an everyday bat. You can get a couple of prospects right now for a time. There's no question about it. And, and think of it as values we know off the field, along with on the field. But Matty V had whispered to me, because listen, the angels are not going to trade him. Like they know how valuable this guy is. Why would you trade the most valuable player on the team because like, you're not going anywhere. He's like, Yeah, but they'll figure it out. And so I don't know. I, I, I was just thinking because Artie Moreno wants to sell the team, makes it more attractive than the new buyer when you come in and you have less assets. But Maddie correctly said to me, No, it makes it more attractive when you have the assets. So, you know, Moreno probably feels that like he'll get more money by saying, Look, I've got Otani and Trout. You guys go build something else where we have not been able to do so. But and answer to your question: It is a buzzkill. It would have been more exciting to see Otani go elsewhere. You know, the thought of him signing a, a five or six-year contract extension to the Angels, to me, is not very appetizing. I, I want to see him on another team. Obviously, Toronto would be great oh to see gosh. him there. But I just think, you know, just for the excitement level, right? To see Otani in the playoffs, like if he's signed to the Angels, they're not making the playoffs next year. Probably not making it for two more years. So, like that's a couple more years of Otani not being in the playoffs. I want to see him in a team that goes to the playoffs, particularly Toronto being such a world-class city, you know, very diverse. I just think, you know, the Asian community, heck, the whole community of Toronto would embrace him. So it is a bit of a buzzkill, yes.
2: Well, and then the other thing for me, I like. I bet the MLB would have loved it if they hadn't maybe it, kiboshed it so early just because this is something that would build a lot of hype over the off season. If there's a guy like that who's going to be dealt um, is there anybody else high profile that you're going to be watching with a close eye as far as uh, being moved from a current roster to a contender over the course of these next few months as we get ready for training camp?
1: Uh, not really trade-wise, it sticks out. Otani was a major one. I, I'm just looking at the free agents. So obviously, Judge is, is the biggest one out there, and he's going to get, I think, eight years, $325 million. My logic is he turned down seven years two thirteen. 13, so add $100 million to begin with who had 313. Probably wants one extra year there because he's 30 years of age. So 8 for 325. The reason why that's so specific is Cole got 324. So I think he wants to be able to say, I'm the highest paid player in the Yankees. Jim Bowden, former GM, does a great job with the athletic and will be now great here. He's got it even higher. He's got an 8 years 330. But I think that's going to be the number there for Judge. I do think he stays with the Yankees. But of course, the Dodgers could get him. After that, Trey Turner's the second best free agent available. The guy's outstanding. You know, He hits for average. hits for power. He's terrific defensively. Like Trey Turner's going to get a ton of money. I don't know if LA signs him. If LA signs Judge, I don't think they rescind Turner. I know everyone thinks they've got billions of dollars, but, I mean, that's a hefty tag if you'd had Judge and Trey Turner. So, not sure if Trey winds up, if he stays at LA or what happens there. Uh, But those are the top two guys. Then you've got, again, the shortstops. Correa is opting out with the Twins. So, where does Correa go? Dansby Swanson, he had an outstanding year of the Atlanta Braves. And Xander Bokert's opting out with the Bruins, uh, excuse me, with the, uh, the Red Sox. So there's uh, three shortstops again after last year we kept talking about how great are these shortstops, and one of them is the same guy in Korea. So there's mm-hmm. five position players there. I mentioned a couple of starting pitchers. I don't know about the trades yet, but those are the three agents I'm looking
0: at. Yeah, uh, move Bo to second and uh, sign one of those shortstops. If you're the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, you're good to go then. Um, Adnan, uh, th- this, this topic came up after you were on last week i believe it was wednesday night i got sucked into watching john wick really late cuz it was on television and then i didn't get to bed till super mm-hmm. late and i wanted to ask you you know in the states if it's on amc what's the what give me a couple movies that comes that comes on television that all of a sudden once it starts and you start watching it you're sucked in and you got to watch to the end
1: yeah, one quick thought on John Wick. It's amazing. When they first put together the script, they go, you know, there's just two murders, what's happening. We can't justify this. And then they're like, well, what if they kill his dog? And we're like, okay, no problem. Like, yeah. you could kill a billion people if someone kills your dog. And that that was the twist that they needed for the audience. Yep, it's to true. To accept the murderous carnage that John Wick goes on. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, Goodfellas is an easy one for me, of course, every time I saw it. Although, as you mentioned, the AMC, the thing I get annoyed by is when they edit out all the – Vanity and all the good stuff. So Goodfellas and Casino I'm often sucked into, mm. although I get annoyed if it's the edited version, I will not watch it. But recently, you know, next week on Cinephile, I'm going to do the 35th anniversary, of one of my not only all-time favorite comedies, but favorite movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm. If PT and A is on, I, I literally cannot turn that movie off. And made to think about, came out in 1987, 35th anniversary, those aren't pillows.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's an incredible... <laughs> That's an incredible one. Uh mine was uh the Shawshank Redemption. That's on I'm I'm roped in. Yeah. Adnan. That's it. Get busy living or get busy dying. Uh Maddie, what was okay, yours? Busy dying. I don't even remember. What did, what did
2: I have right off the bat there?
0: Like... I don't I know I know what our producer Patrick Dumas had. Billy
1: Madison.
0: Uh no, Billy Madison's a great one too. Uh P- producer Patrick Dumas, another great one. Uh the fugitive, Adnan.
1: Oh yeah. That's a great, cos Patrick. And I haven't seen that in a while. To be honest with you, that came out ninety three. So next year, thirtieth anniversary. I didn't kill my wife.
0: No, I and, don't care. Yeah, I mean, it is, it and, is a terrific move. And I know the one thing that if if I ever have a headache, Adnan, I reach for this. Just provasic. It's a great against headaches. Just provasic is something that you can use. <laughs>
1: Provasic. Yeah, it's job. great. Is <laughs> that again. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great Provasic.
0: one. Provasic. Yeah, uh, we want Devlin McGregor to sponsor our show, uh, the makers of Provasic, because if you wake up with a hangover, uh, that's the one medicine you've got to definitely hit. Provasic. Yeah. Um, Adnan Verk, <laughs> Adnan Verk, host on NHL MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. Adnan, great stuff. Let's do it next week, pal. All right, George, Matty. Thank you, boys. Take care. Now I'm trying to think what movie was yours from last week.
2: You like Shrek? I know that. Yeah.
0: Okay. He didn't know, but Shrek wasn't his original. No, it wasn't
2: the original one. I can't remember what it was. Come on, man. Why am I such an idiot? <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. Why? Well, I know why. Maybe your memory's a little skewed. I don't. From some of the choices
2: you've made in your life, is that why your memory's <laughs> a little skewed? I don't. I don't think we have to get into it, George. I don't. <laughs> I think. I made some bad choices, <laughs> George. Listen, there are some things that I might have done. And you pay the price for the bill that you. I have Reckling. a memory of a
0: mashed potato. <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, I'm trying to th- What?
2: What was the movie you came up with? Shrek was definitely on the list. I feel like there might it might have been a fun one. Like there were Star Wars that I love.
0: <sighs> like oh. I I know Patrick's and I those are those are slam dunks. Shawshank Redemption and The Fugitive. Okay, we'll we'll try to figure it out after the break. Uh lots of flames talk straight ahead. Uh, Brendan Parker, Flames TV host, uh, will join us. Tee up the Flames and Devils tonight. Calgary trying to snap their five-game losing skid. Uh, we'll do that. Still taking your, uh, still got the poll question up at George Russick at Matt Rose YYC. Outside of blown leads, of course, what <laughs> concerns you the most during the Flames' five-game slide? Injuries on the blue line, penalty kill, power play, top six wingers, and we've been having fun with this Jim Ursay clip. From yesterday, uh, I don't know from, how to make sausage. Yeah. I don't know what goes into sausage. Me neither. But I do know how to build a football team. Sure. Keep uh, keep your examples of the Jim say on the text line 960-960 name and location it's, uh
2: this one doesn't have a name uh i don't know how computers work i don't know how the internet works but i know how to find not for not safe for work website <laughs> okay i like that too keep them rolling they in s- nine stumble across the nine sixty
0: by the way adnan Verk uh was brought to you by the atlas pizza in sports bar guest outline uh, atlas pizza 14 time consumer choice award winner for takeout or delivery call 403-248-3344 or dine in an atlas pizza 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Final hour of the program straight ahead, Big Show, Rustic and Row. Sportsnet 960, the fan.